0: What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Flippin' Bats. We got a great one for you today. The Yips. We're going to have a full discussion about the Yips. We'll get into all of that in a second. Carlos Correa comments from Scott Boris talking about the Mets. Nelson Cruz to the Padres. I'm going to give my first base tiers every player where they are in tiers and name that player. This one's going to be a blast. Let's get to it.
1: 10 3 bases are loaded for Verlander, who waits out of the real He swings and it's a
0: high fly ball deep center field. It is gone! Home run! And a huge bat to celebrate. All right, Ben, start the show already. Ah, uh, today uh... it's a good day as you can see by my jersey. I'm rocking a Cowboys jersey. Many of you might be wondering, Ben, why are you a Cowboys fan? You're from Virginia. Great point, might I add. Uh, My dad grew up a Cowboys fan in the heyday, and then I was born um, wanting to root for my dad's team and have had nothing but mediocrity ever since. So big playoff win yesterday against the GOAT Tom Brady. So today... I'm rocking my Dak Prescott jersey, and we're riding a high. And uh, how about them Cowboys?
1: Dak played the game of his life. I am actually, I'm happy for you, and I'm happy for Cowboys fans. You know, you've your fourth playoff win in the last 25 years. Soak it up this week. No need for this. Soak it up this week. Live it up because it's going to be a tough one against the 49ers, even against Brock Purdy. Just throwing it out there. So live it up for the week.
0: You know, okay. The last
1: Feel Cowboys good about it.
0: playoff win. I attended with my dad in Dallas and the Cowboys just had to get over that non-Ben playoff hump. You know, like oh, they so you were the curse. Win. I was the re- I needed to be there and they <laughs> got over that hump. So, um, yeah, but there was there was something in the game last night that that I would like to talk about. Okay. And it's a little more of a serious topic. And the topic is the yips. Oh, yeah. And it's something that is very Personal to me because I've been through it and it's something that a lot of people do not and cannot understand unless you've been through it. But the reason that I reference this when it comes to the game is because the Dallas Cowboys kicker Brett Maher missed four extra points in a row. last night. He missed three all regular season. Yeah, he missed four to start the game last night. Every extra point. He finally made the last one. He went way right then a little right, then way left, and then off the the upright right. So, one, look, he did it three times all year. It was a mental thing. And that's when I tweeted out that Brett Maher, he has the yips. And then I went on to say, people are going to laugh. People are going to laugh at what he's doing tonight. But in fact, it's, it's not funny at all. He's going through the yips, which I wouldn't wish upon my worst enemy. It is an absolute nightmare. So just to set the scene, I can give you the literal definition of the yips, which, by the way, Webster Dictionary tweeted the definition out last night during the game. Ooh. So they were on it. But the definition is a state of nervous tension affecting an athlete in the performance of a crucial action. Brett Maher was going through that last night for sure.
1: Oh, 100%. I mean, we've seen it at the highest level with athletes. The last big, I think, media talked about one with Simone Biles at the Olympics when she sat out a couple of her, her different events for gymnastics. Like, it can be dangerous yeah. in some sports when you get the yips. Yep. It's, it's a serious deal.
0: The, the high – the names that come to mind for me, Rick Ankeel, um, Chuck Knobloch, Daniel Bard recently – and Chuck Knobloch probably, Knobloch and Enkeel probably being the most famous examples of this. And it's a very, very big baseball thing for sure. Um, but look, it's very difficult to understand this. And I wouldn't wish this upon my my worst enemy. I really wouldn't. It is a living nightmare. And it is something that you can't get out of your head. It is something you take home with you. I promise you, Brett Maher is not in a great place today, despite making the fifth and final one. It is something that remains in your head. And, and I have dealt with this throughout every stop in my career. I dealt with it in high school. I dealt with it in college. And I dealt with it professionally, all in different ways. In high school, I was playing third base. And one day I overthrew the first baseman, which isn't something I, I often did. And it got in my head. And then for an entire season, I couldn't throw to first base. I would choke it straight into the ground. I would throw it 18 rows deep in the stands. I would go home and I would practice my throwing motion at home. I would yell into my pillow at night because I was so frustrated and it seemed there was nothing I could do because in practice I could do it over and over and over. But the second the game turned on, I would catch a ground ball and I'd immediately get in my head And there was really nothing I could do about it. And then in college, I had it. Different scenario as a pitcher. Again, this one isn't going to be like you think at all. I had the yips in terms of when there was a runner that got on first base, I legitimately could not come set. Like I could not come set without picking over to first base. It was a constant struggle. It was something that I just couldn't get over in my head that with a runner on first base, I, I have to pick. So I le- legitimately couldn't make the motion of getting my sign and coming set. I'd like freak out and, and jump over and throw to first base. And it took me a while to get out of that. And then professionally, from the outfield, a little bit less of a, of a problem. But, you know, I, I struggle if a, if a cutoff man was like 10 feet away. Like I just catch a fly ball and the guy's like 10 feet from me. I struggled to just throw it normally like that short arm motion when a guy was so close to me. I basically had to like throw it as hard as I could to be fine, but it is a mental nightmare and to watch a player go through it in a huge game in front of millions of people is It was really tough to watch last night. It is a tough situation. It is something that I have been through. And it is something that, if you haven't been through it, it's really hard to explain and really hard to understand. But there are ways through it. And there are ways you can cope through it, which I can talk about in a second. But, Alex, I haven't even really talked about my bouts with the yips before. So,
1: yeah. No, it's, I never had it while I was playing soccer throughout my life and in college I think cuz I was always doubted and I had to like prove everybody wrong that I deserved to be there yeah I've never been doubted I but...
0: had to prove that I needed to be <laughs> yeah.
1: somewhere but I the closest experience that I've had to the Yips is when I was throwing out the first pitch at Angel Stadium and we spent an entire pregame of me like and I grew I grew up playing softball and I was a yeah, pitcher like at, a, like yeah. I was I was great. And like, I was in the bullpen. I was warming up with all the pitchers. I was throwing strikes. I was on the field beforehand, like tossing it with Mike Trout. Like I was great. Everything was awesome. And I remember Tim Salmon kind of telling me like, Hey, something changes the moment you walk out, like for a first pitch, like even players feel this. And I just remember walking out there, Mike social looks at me. He's like, you better throw from the mound. We're all watching. I was like, Okay. And something clicked in my head and I walked out there. I legitimately forgot how to throw the ball. I didn't line up. I didn't, I I couldn't feel the ball release out of my hand. And I was like, like literally what is happening? Like as it's happening, you don't really realize what is happening, but you're like trying to be like, wait, but I'm a great athlete. I know what I'm doing. I know how to do this. I've done this my whole life. What is happening? And then after... That was probably the most embarrassed I've ever felt in my life. And it should be like a joyous, like, cool moment. It's not that big of a deal. But it's it's such a weird feeling when that mental thing switches in your brain and you're like, I know how to do this. Why isn't it happening?
0: So the yips really come into play when – You go back out. If you were to do it again, then it's in your head. Then you're screwed, and then you can't do it. And then it just comes back and back and back. And there's some very, very famous cases of this. Where I think we have video playing in the wall. If you're watching right now, you can see Rick Ankeel, um, Chuck Knobloch. Ankeel just legitimately was one of the better pitchers in the game of baseball and just got the yips and couldn't throw a strike ever again. Knobloch, one of the famous cases, uh, New York Yankees for like a good three year period from second base, could not throw the ball, a routine ground ball to first base. He'd throw it in the stands. He'd throw it straight into the ground. Um, I've played with guys. I played with a catcher professionally that had them really bad in, in college and had to legitimately drop down to a knee, scoot out to the side to even be able to get it back to the pitcher producer Taylor who works on this show I saw he tweeted out that it's happened to him uh, I have a buddy that was a catcher in professionally and he used to have he got the yips he used to have to put a piece of tape around his wrist so that when he'd go back to throw when he would catch that white piece of tape in the corner of his hot ha- in his eye he would know to release the, release. the ball it's so weird. and it's something that is It can be the most common thing of all time for an athlete, throwing a baseball. How many times has a baseball player done that? millions i mean it's it's the easiest thing of all time to do but when you get the yips it's these very basic actions that become so tedious and difficult and it wears you down it wears you down at the field it wears you down at home it is agonizing and i truly wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy but there are ways to work about it And, and i know there's a lot of people out there that might have the yips or have had them that might be listening to this because I know I promoted, I'm going to be talking about this. And for for a while, it's, oh, you don't mention the Y word. You don't talk about no. the yips. What I would say is that you should, and and don't hesitate to get help. Don't hesitate to see a mental coach. Don't hesitate to see a therapist because it is it is a mental battle you are dealing with. Talk about it talk to somebody about it don't don't hold it in and just think to yourself oh my god and you you will tear yourself apart I promise you I have done it it is awful talk to people about it work on it practice work on your mental game talk to a therapist talk to a mental coach there are ways to get out of it but don't be scared and embarrassed that you're going through it because it is something that people that make millions and millions and millions of dollars and are the best in the world at something. They go through it themselves, and we saw that with Brett Maher last night in the Dallas Cowboys.
1: Yeah, I think it helps that mental health is more of a talking point these days and people are aware that everyone is going through something and you are not alone. So I think that helps as well because, yeah, if, at the end of the day, that's what it is. It's a mental lapse that you just you cannot get out of your own way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Carlos Correa is back in the news. Of course, Alex, he um, he but doesn't not leave, not for his own, not on his own accord. Really, um, a guy you expect expected from yes. Scott Boris is kind of the reason here. Scott Boris come came out and just really out of nowhere had comments for the Mets about Carlos Correa and, and why this signing didn't work out and how he ended up in Minnesota. And I want to read. I want to read these comments to you first before Alex and I comment on it. But basically, he just came out and said. I don't understand the Mets. I gave them all of the information. We had them talk to four doctors. They knew the issue the Giants had, and yet they still call the same doctor the Giants used for his opinion. There was no new information. So why negotiate a contract if you were going to rely on the same doctor? Quote, unquote, Scott Boris, agent of Carlos Correa, who was a prized free agent possession at the shortstop position this offseason. What what immediately comes to mind here is it's so frustrating to hear these comments because the Mets are are paying somebody $315 million, $312 million, whatever it was. They have every right to talk to absolutely whoever they want about the issue at hand. And I would absolutely call that same doctor that had an issue saying, hey, man, what did you see? I would love to hear from your perspective. And if it's a big enough issue that the Mets don't feel like signing him, guess what? They don't have to sign them and they have every right to, to want to renegotiate a deal. So Scott Boras is coming out and saying this, look, I understand you're sticking up for your client, but of course the Mets reached out to as many doctors as they possibly could.
1: Yeah. Everyone did what they were supposed to do in this moment, right? Steve Cohen, is a great businessman, okay? You got to do your due diligence on your investment, especially an investment this big that is over $300 million. So yeah, you're not only going to get your own opinion from doctors, but you're going to call the other doctor who found the other issue because yes, nothing changed. What did you find? What do I need to know that like maybe my three other doctors or four other doctors didn't find?
0: Absolutely. So
1: yeah, he did what he was supposed to do, but Boris did too. You got to stand up for your, your client. You got to publicly be frustrated, even if you kind of secret, who knows, maybe he like secretly like, yeah, I get it. That's what you're supposed to do, but you publicly have to come out and stand up for your client. That's what he had to do. So I, I see both sides here. This is more of just like a, Wambulancia. Like, no, it, it's fine. It is what it is. Everyone just kind of move on from the six. I edge. guess
0: that's a that's a good point because I'm sitting here in my head thinking like, well, yeah, he said that. Like, what's the alternative? What else do you say? Yeah. And the answer is nothing. Nothing. You don't have to say anything. You don't always have to be in the media. And and I get it. He's the best in the business. Yeah. He's great at what he does. He gets his client a ton of money. Scott Boris missed out on many, many millions here with the deal not happening with the Mets. So I get he's frustrated there. But of course, the Mets checked in with the same doctor that had an issue because of course they want to know. They're about to pay him a ton of money. And this is an interesting quote from from the Giants after Correa. I don't want to say failed a second physical, but after the second one fell apart. Yeah, yeah. The Giants said they don't feel vindicated by a second failed physical and called the whole situation unfortunate. Um, Zaidi said, I'm happy for Carlos. He's one of the great players in the game. He seems happy with where he's going.
1: You know what it actually makes me think now, like, Correa's Correa is probably more upset, obviously, than he's allowed to show because now he's with he signed with a new franchise. Yeah. You got to put on a happy face. You got to be excited for that fan base. You got to be excited for your teammates, for the franchise you're with now. But we could all see how excited he was during that little window when we thought he was going to the Mets. Yeah, like there there was a lot of excitement there. So I'm sure he is probably the most upset that it didn't happen. Boris is hearing it over his shoulder and then he just got to. OK, yeah. let me just say something. because My client's not happy.
0: Uh, Yeah. And it was it was crazy. I will never forget where I was when I found out Carlos Correa signed with the Mets. I was on a plane in the middle of the night. It was a red eye. I thought for sure nothing would happen. So for (laughs) once in my life, I didn't get the Wi-Fi because I tried to fall asleep. Did you
1: actually sleep? Ben doesn't sleep on planes. No, I can't.
0: I can't. But I was trying so hard. <laughs> you always I was try like really counting hard. Backwards. I, my eyes were closed and I was like uh, getting close, I felt like. And then all of a sudden, the guy sitting to my left across the yeah. aisle, who I don't know, tapped me on the shoulder yeah. and goes, hey, you're Ben, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I am. And he goes, "Yeah, I follow you on Twitter. I feel like you'd like to know that Carlos Correa just signed with the Mets." <laughs> <And> I'm
1: like, <laughs> "Wait, what?
0: What? I finally <laughs> fell asleep, and I'm, yeah. I'm in a dream? Nope. it actually happened, and that's where I was, and then it all fell apart." But Scott Boris and Carlos Correa back in the news. That would have been a big pickup for the Mets. It Huge. would have. There's no way around it. Huge. Um, there's absolutely no way around it, and it, and it hurts. It does hurt them. They needed. Yeah. That. They needed a bat. Um, they didn't get a bat. That they didn't get a huge bat they needed, yeah. And um, now they now they move on with still with still a great team, still a great team. Yeah, I'm there's
1: th- there's still a top three team in the league for sure.
0: Um, the Kodai Senga signing was huge for them. They Bitch. are they are a better team. And I heard he from down, an interesting fact here before we move on. Uh, I heard from a friend of mine in the Japanese media that um, Justin. Was a huge, huge reason that Kodai Singa ended up signing with the Mets, which I think is way
1: to go, just Really cool. Yeah.
0: Um, and
1: the Verlanders and the Japanese fan base, man, there's just, there's something there. <laughs> yeah. There's really something there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Kodai Singa to the Mets, Carl yeah. Frey not to the Mets, Scott Boris back in the news. Um, another signing. Nelson Cruz, Nelson Cruz
1: to the Padres. Nelson Cruz
0: to the Padres. Nelson Cruz still hanging on in the game of baseball. 1-year deal. The guy's pushing 50, but I I think Nelson Cruz Is he, is
1: he 40 48
0: 40 I don't know what he is. Nine? Producer Taylor might know. He's yeah. a Padres fan. Tell me when you figure it out, Taylor. Yeah,
1: c- get in our ears. But
0: he is I I I think Nelson Cruz could hit until he's like 80 years old. I I just do. So I, I like the signing here. Yeah, A million dollars. It's a million dollars. Which
1: is like nothing for a player of his caliber right. for one year. It's this a million is like
0: dollars. He's 42, 42. years old. <laughs> yeah. 42. Yeah. I think he could hit for another 42 years, to be honest with you. So I don't hate it. I really don't. And the reason I don't is because he's not expected to, to come in and play every single day. If you recall, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. They signed Matt Carpenter, who looked like he had a resurgence last year after he went to hitting guru, who I went to out in L.A., Craig Wallenbrock, went out there, revamped his swing, revamped his career, it seemed, Hit great with the Yankees. Now he's with the Padres. So he can platoon Matt Carpenter and, and face only lefties. So you're not expecting him to go out and rake every single day, you know?
1: No, I, I think the the most important reason he is there is for his leadership. And his leadership in that clubhouse with these young stars is going to be priceless. Once you get Tatis Jr. back, you have Juan Soto. You have these very impressionable young stars that when you have a veteran of his caliber who has been there before, who knows how to handle himself in the game, outside of the game, this is what you need for these young players. I saw it in Mike Trout's first year or his rookie season in the league with Tory Hunter, yep. and Tory just took him under his wing, told him everything, just little things that can help you at the ballpark, away from the ballpark, how to handle yourself at the field, away from the field. There's just things that are – you can't really put a price on it. You just need the right person in there to help mold and and be a role model for these younger guys.
0: And Tatis needs a role model. Oh, 100%. He needs, he needs to grow up. It, it's time. And having a guy like Nelson Cruz be around as a leader. And and something that w- when I heard about this signing and, and I realized that he's probably going to be in more of a leadership role for yeah. the first time, I started thinking back on a conversation I had in one of the very first ever flipping Bats episodes. With Royce Lewis, who's a top prospect in the Twins organization, ended up getting hurt, but he, I think, he's going to be a stud. Um, but when when Nelson Cruz was with the Twins. Royce Lewis became pretty close to him and leaned on him for a lot of information. And I remember a conversation that we ended up having, which was Royce talking about Nelson Cruz talking about hitting to him. And it immediately came to me that this guy is way more valuable than a million dollars a year because of just what he brings to a leadership role. And the conversation that I remember was fascinating to me and made me wish I was still playing the game of baseball because I would go back and do things differently. So, we're gonna play this conversation, and anybody that plays the game of baseball, anybody that's interesting and interested in hitting, I want you to listen close because this conversation that Nelson Cruz had with Royce Lewis is very, very interesting. So let's listen to that now.
2: I remember one game he said like, "Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit on the slider, but if he throws a fastball, I'm gonna hit it really far." And I was like, "Okay, yeah." And he went up there and he said, "This is the at bat. I think this is the at bat." Goes up there and hits a homer. Like, nobody's business. Like, it was just easy thing. And I'm like, you know, that's a hard thing to do. Right? Like, this guy just hit the homer. I'm like, yeah, that's probably – this is the big leagues. This is when it's the big leagues. These guys know what they're doing. They know how to control and handle their stuff. So, it's pretty impressive.
0: Wait, so he said he's going to sit on the slider. But if he gets yeah. a fastball, he's going to hit it out. I, I, I guess that's why. <laughs> I, how? <laughs>
2: what? Yeah, I, his thinking on it, which I think – I'm going to start – really thinking about it, I think it's a really great idea is, you know, if you're expecting the fastball, we can all hit fastballs. So when you get to the big leagues at that point, most of these guys can hit fastballs and hit it far. Uh, doesn't matter if it's Jose Altuve, small guy in the league or Aaron judge, you know, so um, fastballs are something that you just react and you hit the ball. Well, and he said that he has trouble with sliders, especially sliders away. Yeah. And so if he recognizes slider out of the hand, then he'll be able to take the pitches that are nasty or be able to hit the ones that are hanging earlier. And he said that the fastballs, you'll know if it's fastball, it's going to be looking different. So if you're looking for the slider, it's coming out like this. All of a sudden there's something straight. You're just going to react. If it's in the zone, you're going to hit it because you play baseball for, I mean, he's 40 years old now. So he's played baseball for, I'm sure, almost 40 years, (laughs) just as much as myself. Um, Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where I think that term, terminology and way of thinking is, uh, it's almost outsmarting and kind of just yourself. You're outsmarting yourself in a way, and it's pretty impressive.
0: It's deep. Hearing the the impact that he has on younger players and yeah. that conversation, he wasn't on the Twins at that point, so that conversation happened a year prior. Okay. Um, I mean, it's just it's one fascinating to me as a hitter, and and also fascinating to to see the impact he's having. I have no doubts he's going to be a huge pickup for the Padres, whether he hits twenty homers or not. I I think he could go over there and not play a single game and have a big impact on that team. And that was a cool, uh, a cool piece that I wanted to bring back.
1: Yeah. Experience matters and having veteran leadership, as I said before, is priceless, especially with a team who has had young players who have had some issues outside of the game of baseball. I mean, this is probably one of the smartest not it is baseball, but not like specific position offseason moves that the Padres made.
0: Yeah, yeah. The, Nelson Cruz is the GM of the Dominican Republic team in the World Baseball Classic.
1: Dude, I love this so much. It's so great. I love this so much. I
0: love that. And then he's just gonna go hit in San Diego. Yeah, I, I love it. Um So I I love the pickup there for the Padres. A million dollars. I mean,
1: like it's chump change.
0: Chump change to everybody, right? Like, like who that? cares? Yeah, I'd, I'd give him a million dollars. I had it. All right. Uh, <laughs> um, moving on. to, I, I want to talk about the Cubs.
1: Sneaky offseason. Sneaky. Sneaky good offseason. Sneaky off season.
0: very good offseason. And uh, recently, over the last week since we've done an episode, Trey Mancini yeah. signed there. And I understand when Trey went to Houston and then played in the playoffs, he wasn't the Trey that we had come to to know in Baltimore But Trey Mancini is a dang good baseball player. Mm -hmm. Love that pickup for them. But it doesn't stop there. He signed a two-year deal. Um, They've also signed Cody Bellinger. They also signed Dansby Swanson, who is one of the biggest shortstops on the market. They also signed Jamison Tyone. So they they will fly under the radar this offseason because they haven't done what the Mets have done, they won't be as good as a lot of the elite teams in the game of baseball. But I believe with what they've done this offseason, they will be sneaky, sneaky good. And on a baseball team, it kind of all starts up the middle. You want to build up the middle. And look what they've done. At at shortstop, you have Dansby. At second, you have Nico Horner. At, in center, you have Cody Bellinger. All gold-glove caliber guys. Yeah. I mean – that's nasty defense, and I know you can't count on Cody Bellinger to be 2017, 18. You can't count on him to be that MVP, Cody Bellinger. I mean, you never but know. If you can get anything bet ba- well, new beginning. Have you seen his? I bads? know,
1: I know, I know. New I'm not new saying beginnings. he can't be better. I'm saying sometimes new scenery, different franchise, different club, different I franchise kind of sparks. New beginnings. Who knows? Maybe he's making adjustments. Yeah, that's Maybe why he's I'm working higher. with someone else. That's
0: why I'm higher on this Bellinger signing than most people are because they're looking at what he's done the last couple of years. And I'm not saying he will get back to MVP Cody Bellinger, but I do think we can get back to some middle ground, yeah. which would be an above average Major League Baseball player. And if you can get anything like he, like he did from the past, then you've really made out well. So I like the Bellinger signing. Why not if you're the Mets? I believe it was $17 million um, to – to, to have him play at least a, a, a well Cubs. above average elite yeah, yeah, yeah. center field. So, good for him. What did I say?
1: You said Mets, but we were just talking about him, so that's fine. But yeah, yeah. Cubs. so good
0: for good for the Cubs there. Um, I like Dansby a lot. So, I, I think this lineup is sneaky good, and if you can get anything, any innings out of a rotation that has Stroman and Tyon at the top, and then it's Justin Steele, Drew Smiley, Keegan Thompson, which that leaves a lot to the imagination. But If they can step up, if they can get you some innings, this team could be sneaky good. And regardless, I'm not going to sit here right here today and say that the Chicago Cubs are going to make the playoffs. No, but I will sit here today and say the Chicago Cubs got a lot better. I think the team will be competitive, and I think they can stay in it through the long haul and maybe have a shot come the end of the year.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is when you look at all their new additions, they have five new additions to their potential starting lineup, including Hosmer, that they picked up this offseason. It's just...
0: Huge signing. That <laughs> it, Producer Bartley got noted Kansas City Royals fan. very got in rear excited. And said but,
1: you know, another veteran bat. But there's just... When you reconstruct your lineup and have five new guys in the lineup that weren't there last year, that that's a big shakeup. So yeah. it's, we don't know what they're going to be yet, but there is a lot of promise. Yep. There is a, a lot of hope and potential for this team. Um and again no one was really talking about it because of all the super dramatic high end free agency talk with Judge and Correa. I mean they picked up Dansby who up was one. and they ended up getting one in Dansby which is you know saying a lot more than what the Dodgers did. Um mm. but yeah, is there don't don't blink on the Cubs.
0: Yep. Don't I, blink
1: on the Cubs the Cubs this season.
0: I agree completely and I have been very Look I have been very critical of the Cubs over the past couple of years, and in particular with what they did with that core group of guys that they had in Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, Contreras, and their handling of that entire situation. I have been very critical of that, and I also need to give them their due diligence here and their kudos for what they have done this offseason. Um, It's not going to jump off. To the common fan of these huge moves that they made, That makes them a World Series contender, but they are heading in the right direction. They will be more competitive. I like what they've done a lot. And um they're they deserve credit for what they've done.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, Eric Hosmer, not a bad signing for seven hundred and no. twenty seven hundred and twenty thousand dollars. But yeah, you know where Hosmer's not gonna be?
1: Hmm.
0: He's not gonna be at the top of the top of my first base tiers. Oh, so what I, what we're going to start doing leading up to the season and, and leading up to more episodes when we're hot and heavy with the world baseball classic is we're going to go position by position. And I'm going to, I'm going to start putting every, every player from each position in tiers and okay. these tiers, who knows they could change, but we're going to start with first base and the tiers are elite, almost elite, really good,
1: pretty solid and the rest Okay. Before we begin here, (laughs) (laughs) what goes into each level of this tier system? Like when you're, when you're looking at the elite, almost elite, really good. The rest, um, first thing you're looking at, what, what, what are you going for here?
0: Well, I'll be honest with you. Yeah. What I'm looking at here is okay. Who is elite? Okay. And then I put guys in that category and then I got to well, this guy didn't quite make the cut, but he's almost elite. Like, are you and then I made at, an almost elite category.
1: Okay. Well, are you looking at all-star game appearances, silver sluggers, I think gold gloves, MVPs, I think, accolades? I think
0: everything okay. goes into it, but okay. it's more just like what comes to mind for me All when right. I look at a player. And I think as we start talking about this, yeah, I'll, I'll explain more. And I think we'll get a better understanding of where my head is at. Because for some some people, there's not a great reason. It's just my belief. And for some, it was a a struggle for me of should he be here or should he be here. So we'll talk about all that. But we'll start with the elite. The elite first baseman in the game of baseball for me, there's four of them. Paul Goldschmidt, Mm -hmm. MVP winner this past season. Freddie Freeman, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and Pete Alonzo. Um... The first two seem pretty obvious there. Goldie, Freddie Freeman, Um, Vladdy Jr., I believe, is in the elite category. We saw what he did in 2021. He's winning an MVP award, if not for a guy named Shohei Otani. And then guess what? He had a down year last year by what we've come to know from him, and he hit 274 with 32 homers. Vladdy Jr. is one of the better first basemen in the game of baseball. I believe he is elite, and I have him here in this category. And it looks like you have something to say, so I'll let you say it. We Uh, can disagree here. I would
1: would have – I mean, again, Vladdy Jr. is on his way to be an incredible player. But I feel like you have to have an MVP to be an elite. Mm. That that would be my – what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, What you need. That's what you need to become elite. Okay, you, you, so you got to not only like have the numbers, but you got to you got to be voted on by everyone else as the most valuable player. So when we to get be to, elite, so I, we get I think to, he's almost elite.
0: When we get to pitchers, is Jacob Degrom not going to be left. allowed to be elite because he doesn't have an MVP award?
1: Well, Cy Young.
0: And there's plenty of players that I think are going to be in elite categories that don't have an MVP award yet.
1: All right, I think they're
0: elite. You don't think Pete Alonzo? Pete Alonzo's elite. He had... He hit. 40 homers last year, and was tied for first in all of baseball in RBIs with Aaron Judge, 131 RBIs. Are you kidding
1: me? Yeah, these are. I mean, they're also like they're they're young up and coming players. He was like 2019 rookie, rookie of the year. They're getting there. They're getting there. I would put them in almost elite.
0: Well, okay. I look. Yeah, Pete Alonzo are great is, players. is a career his average career is higher. I don't love average, but I don't okay. hate it as the a lot of analytical guys do yeah. these days. Uh he had a higher he had a higher batting average last year than Francisco Lindor and, and Mookie Betts. He was third in all of baseball in wrc+.
1: So are we basing this just off their last season?
0: No. Okay. Because if they were, then I don't think Vlady Jr would be in the elite category. All I right. think we're doing it based off of the player that I believe they are or or is a player exactly what they've done last year or kind of a combination of what they've done throughout their career. I would argue more of the latter. Okay. Um, I'm also not opposed to like, you know, throughout us discussing, like maybe
1: you'll,
0: maybe you'll change my opinion on something, which the graphics folks will love. But as of now, you haven't done it one bit with the elite.
1: That's okay. I I would put Vladdy and Pete in the almost elite and probably bump up one of the almost elite to the elite but we'll, we'll get there in a moment i'm
0: just interested by your your mvp comment you know like well, it's is, also you is, gotta is trey turner not an elite shortstop to you i would easily consider him elite but he doesn't have an mvp award
1: hmm.
0: not even yeah i mean he's definitely elite. we'll get
1: we'll get we'll get <laughs> to the shortstops <laughs> when we get to the shortstops.
0: all right moving on let's go to almost elite okay because almost elite is a category that you know they're they're Almost elite, you know, Wait. so we, we created it a category like, called almost elite. Yeah. I have two guys here, only okay. two, Matt Olson, Jose Abreu. And these are two guys for me that are kind of, kind of a little bit going in opposite directions. I would have had Jose Abreu in the elite category a couple yep. of years ago, 2020 MVP award. Mm-hmm. So Alex's criteria, you should just put them there and not think anything of it and put him <laughs> in the elite. Category. Look, Jose Abreu is, uh, is, is a is a great first baseman and he is still great. Now the power numbers aren't there anymore. I believe he hit what 15 homers last year. He did hit over 300. He's still a great first baseman and one of the better ones in the league. I just think he's coming down a little bit from where he was in that 2020 MVP year. Um, but still, still a great, still almost elite, not quite. Matt Olson being the other one. Matt Olson's an interesting one for me because outstanding in the field, mm-hmm. great, a ton of power, but he doesn't, you know, the he doesn't get on base a ton. He's either hitting homers or or doubles or, yeah. or getting out. He's not a he's not a high average guy. I would not consider Matt Olson yet, still a younger guy. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't yet consider him to be one of the game's elite first basemen. I would say he's almost elite. All right. Got anything here?
1: Well, you said what I was going to say. What? Well, putting Jose Abreu possibly up in the elite category.
0: I think he This w- is this yeah. is
1: this is tough though because between mm, Abreu, Vladdy, Pete Olsen, I mean they're all kind of like on the edge. So Maybe ask- you put them all like all four and almost elite and just have the two as elite in the top yes but I
0: add something because this is our first one doing it so I'm yeah. going to think of things as we go okay. better ways to do this I, I would add as you're contemplating over Jose Abreu he has absolutely been an elite first baseman okay. in his career yeah what I'm thinking of is more heading into this season
1: got it okay who, that was
0: yeah okay Heading into this fair. 2023 season, fair. Is Jose Abreu in the elite category of first baseman? I would argue no, obviously with my list, I have okay. him almost elite. But in his career, absolutely, Jose Abreu is an elite first
1: baseman. All right. Does that
0: help a I, little bit make sense?
1: Change yeah, changes, I think, yeah. the dynamic a little bit.
0: Um, okay. So the next category is really good. Now, from the those are the top 2 tiers. These ones are going to start getting more and more players in them, so we're not going to go over every single player. But I will I will mention every player I have in this category. Really good, okay? An under the radar one that I think has potential to go much higher, Christian Walker. He plays with the D-backs, not a very well-known Player, not a very well-known team. Well, it's a well-known team, but not a very high-profile team. Um, but I think I think Christian Walker is outstanding. Won a gold glove in 2022. Louisa Rise I have here at really good. Batting title last year. Um, Nathaniel Lowe of the Rangers. Ty France, friend of the pod. Reese Hoskins, CJ Krohn, Anthony Rizzo, and Joey Manessis. Uh I have a couple names I want to mention here. Reese Hoskins being one of them. Yeah. I think Reese Hoskins is really good with the uh, potential to go to almost elite, right? Mm-hmm. But look, let's look at last year. He hit 30 home runs, 79 RBIs, 246 hitter. The reason I have Reese Hoskins as really good is because of the ebbs and flows, the ups and downs of his year. He can have a stretch where he is just not very good, and he can have a stretch where he is elite or almost elite. So I had to put him here, in my opinion. In the really good category, because I do believe Reese Hoskins is a really good first baseman. I just don't believe yet he is in that elite category. Uh, so he is one name that I definitely wanted to highlight
1: here. Yeah, especially if you also step up and show up in the postseason, I think yep. puts you in that category as well.
0: Uh, another name that could really jump out at people, and this was an interesting one for me because we do not have a big sample size. Joey Manessis okay, of the Washington Nationals. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, in very limited playing time, yeah, what this guy has done. Tell last us. year, 324,
1: mm-hmm.
0: 13 homers, 34 RBIs, in very, very limited time. He came up and one is, was one of the better hitters in the game of baseball. So I believe heading into this year, okay. Joey Manessis is a really good first baseman. Now, he's a guy that has the potential to slide down. And and maybe this wasn't the player that we got a glimpse of, or to slide up and be one of the game's better first basemen. I don't know, but I feel like hearing that name in this category, people are going to be like, "Who?" Well, be on the lookout for him this year. The Nationals aren't going to be an exciting team to watch, but he will be a good player, and and he is seemingly a good player. So watch out for him.
1: I like it. I also like. I, I was with C J. Crone in the beginning of his career, and he was you were? he was behind where. At the Angels. I didn't even. Yeah, and he was behind Albert Pujols. So he was learning from Albert Pujols and kind of DHing. He He was the big bat but wasn't getting as much playing time at first base that he needed to. And then right when Albert started to kind of fade off a little, got the plantar fasciitis was getting pretty gnarly. CJ Crone was getting more opportunities at first base. And he really took on that role and did such a great job to see where he's built to now. Because he is. He's a power bat. He can do great things at first base. So it's been fun to watch him kind of grow into that, yep. that role.
0: Every time I, I think of CJ Krohn now, because he was an all-star this year, and I, I'm pretty close with the the Rocky social media team. Yeah. And we were talking at the all-star game, and they're like, yeah, we just have one guy here, CJ Krohn, and he is not down with the social media stuff. No, and no, like, no. It he's, is, he's, it's <laughs> a struggle with him oh, to do anything. yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah.
1: No, no, no. Not a, not a big, like – Post game walk off interview guy. He was four seasons with the Angels and it's pulling yeah. teeth. Pulling teeth <laughs> with a lot of baseball players. You're like, come on, just give me something. Give me, give me, give me something. No? Okay.
0: Yep. All right. Next category. We've had elite, almost elite, and really good. The next category.
1: Mm-hmm. Pretty solid. Pretty, pretty, pretty solid. <laughs>
0: pretty solid. We got a lot. It's a big list. We got a lot of players that fall in this pretty solid okay. range. Yep. Ryan Mountain Castle, Seth Brown. Jake Cronenworth, Trey Mancini, Rowdy Telez, Yuli Gurriel, Luke Voigt, Joey Votto, um, Josh Naylor, Vinny Pascantino, Jared Walsh, Garrett Cooper, and Isak Paredes of the Rays. A lot of names here. Mm -hmm. Um, One that I wanted to highlight was Yuli Gurriel. Mm -hmm. Coming off of a year in 2021 where he won a gold glove award and the batting title in the American League. Alas, he took a big step back last year. He is getting he is getting older and it felt like he was due for a step back. He hit 242 last year with 8 home runs and 53 RBIs. Um big step back. For that reason I have him in the, the pretty pretty okay. solid territory, yeah. but I think Coming off of a 2021 where it was so high, I think it could be to for people to see him in this category. It might be like, why is he that low? Mm -hmm. Well, there might be a little bit of an understanding there.
1: I I can see that.
0: How do you feel about these? Any any names here for you?
1: Uh, I.
0: Joey Votto.
1: I love Joey Votto. I love Joey. I just love Joey Votto. I'm like just for his personality and who he is. Like another name. I I could put him up.
0: Another name, by the way, which I felt like I'm glad I clarified earlier because Joey Votto is elite. Joey Votto, in my opinion, is a Hall of Famer, and he's an elite person. And I think before last year, he was in a higher category, which was probably really good, borderline, almost elite. Big step back last year, tough injury, getting older. This could be a big bounce back year for him. I know he's putting in a lot of work. He's going to come back healthy. Yeah. I think last year maybe he wasn't quite as healthy. Oh, definitely not. So I think this year he's going to start in the pretty solid territory okay. heading into the year, and we'll see where we go.
1: I feel like Trey Mancini can kind of do the same. Obviously, 2021 Comeback Player of the Year. He's a World Series champ. And now with a new organization with the Cubs, again, fresh start, new organization. You're coming in as that veteran, just won a World Series. It, it, I feel like good things can come for him as well.
0: I, I agree. He's a guy that could move up very quickly. You know, this is I, – I have to take into account – what he did at the end of of last year yeah right which wasn't wasn't be great for the Astros and then really struggled in the playoffs but I don't think he, I think Trey mancini is is a pretty solid to to good yeah to good first baseman and yeah. my categories that I had to deal with which I implemented so I can't blame anybody but well. myself is really good and pretty solid I think trey Mancini's good From from what we've had to what we have to go off of, I think Trey Mancini is a good first baseman. Is he really good? I think there's an argument he could get there, but as of right now, I think Trey Mancini is a pretty solid first
1: baseman. Yeah, no, I agree. Great. Yeah.
0: Um, This last one, uh, I put in a lot of I put in a lot of thought for the name for this one. What? And I settled on. The rest.
1: Oh, everybody else.
0: Uh, So everybody else, (laughs) everybody I didn't mention is in the rest category. I do want to highlight one name here. And it's a name near and dear to my heart as a Tigers fan, as a Tigers former employee, as a Tigers, you know, I'll forever root for them. I have a ton of friends in that organization. And Spencer Torkelson is a friend of the pod. Mm. And I believe Spencer Torkelson could be a great in the game of baseball yeah. but as of right now i don't have anything at all to go off of besides last year and torkelson last year hit 203 with eight homers so mm-hmm. i couldn't put him anywhere no but he could very very quickly slide up the list but to start the year okay. torque is in this list but i just wanted to acknowledge that i love him and i hope he does really well and i hope he becomes a hall of famer one day
1: oh, you should just like clip that tag him send it to him be like rooting for you buddy
0: I am rooting for Torque. <laughs> I know. Everybody everybody loves Torque. I think. I yeah. don't know. Um, so that's the that's first base. I like it. We're done with first base. That's the tiers. We're going to have a graphic that comes out every week when we do this, every position. So stay tuned. I don't know where we're going next week. We started with first base. So, I well, mean, you're
1: making the rules here. So you just round the bases? We'll
0: probably go to second base yeah. next, right? We'll that makes ra- sense. The bases. And then we'll end up at pitcher yeah. or catcher, then pitcher, and okay. then DH. I don't know. We'll the outfield. We'll go to second base. Second be wild. base will be next year. Oh, okay. God. Outfield's going to be wild. I can't wait. Um, but that's first base tiers. Let's move on to. A lineup that is gonna be with a one of my elite first basemen, Paul Goldschmidt. World baseball, the world classic.
1: baseball classic.
0: As Alex and I promised, we're gonna every episode talk about the world baseball classic because okay. we could not be more pumped. It is right around the corner. More and more players are committing. And the rosters, I think, are soon going to have to be finalized. But it's yeah. pretty close to finalizing these names that I'm about to mention because what I want to do this week is go over Team USA and we're going to derive a potential, my potential Team USA lineup and then discuss because Alex might think that you can't put a player in the lineup unless they've won an MVP oh, award or something stop. like that. Um, Elite. all team
1: right. Team USA. All-star team.
0: I will. I will start with this. Okay. Team USA's lineup for the WBC this year yeah. could well be the greatest lineup ever assembled.
1: Oh yeah, it's, it it's, is. It's an all-star. It is that lineup. good.
0: So, for my WBC for our WBC segment this week, I want to go over Team USA's lineup and put together my potential Team USA optimal lineup. All right. Again, the World Baseball Classic starts March seventh. Really late, March seventh. It's like eleven o'clock at night, but it starts March seventh and goes through the twenty something. So. Team USA, the lineup that you can expect to see out there in some way, shape, or form, but I'm going to put together as if I'm the manager. Leading off and playing shortstop, Trey Turner. <laughs> I mean, how do you get? Yeah. Come on, that's the, the prototypical yes. leadoff hitter. Are yep. you kidding me? Yep. Batting second, playing left field or right field. We'll say playing left field. Okay. Mookie Betts. Ah. Uh. Batting third, playing center field, the GOAT, Mike Trout.
1: What a dream.
0: Unbelievable. What a dream. Batting fourth, cleanup, playing third base, Nolan Arenado. Whew. Batting fifth, playing right field, Kyle Tucker. Batting sixth, playing first base, MVP winner this past year, Paul Goldschmidt. Batting, where am I? Seventh? Batting seventh batting batting seventh DH. yep Pete Alonzo. Oh my God, this is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. batting eighth catcher JT Realmuto and batting ninth second base Tim Anderson. And that, my friends, is the lineup that I have for team USA that might just be, what if I were to tell you, Alex? Yeah, this lineup mm-hmm. right here might just be the greatest lineup ever assembled and it might not be the best line lineup in the wbc really i think the dominican republic i was gonna say dominican republic I, that would one be one of the, the best om- lineups of all time
1: i'm feeling like that's gonna be the final can it be the finals no can it be
0: i think it where's can the be. pool
1: play i don't have i don't have it in I, front of me i
0: think it can be I don't know. They're gonna but meet it somewhere they have point. the best two odds to win at it all. But we'll we can debate which lineup is better next week. That okay. would be fun. But this team USA lineup, it's unbelievable. And it's Phil look at the MVP winners here, right? Yeah. Mookie, Trout, Goldschmidt. So there's there's three MVP award winners yeah. in the lineup. And then I mean I just it's it's unbelievable.
1: It's an all-star lineup. And the difference is like, okay, yeah, you see some of these guys maybe play with each other and against each other in an all-star game, but you're not going 110% in an all-star game. It's True. fun. It's for show. So now we're seeing them as teammates playing for their country, which is just something I don't I we have never. Experienced before in the World Baseball Classic for Team USA. Yeah, to finally have these elite players because it's happening during spring training, right before the start of the season. So it's in the past. You haven't seen this. So this this is extremely exciting and a little gift before the start of the baseball season i'm
0: also equally excited to see like you mentioned see some of these guys play on the same team together yeah. competitively but also seeing guys that don't ever play against each other to do it think about and at bat shohei otani pitching to mike trout yeah. are you kidding First me time. that is a dream First time. that is a dream matchup and it could absolutely Who's happen gonna win? down the line i mean how cool would that be so I could not be more pumped for the World Baseball Classic. Alex and I, every week, are going to discuss it and have a weekly segment, and this week was my ideal Team USA lineup.
1: 50 days.
0: 50 50 days days. away. Wow. I'm so pumped. All right. It is that time. Oh, we know. It is time, my friends, for you all to play along with me (laughs) for Name That Player.
1: All right. Just to refresh... On the rules, I'm going to give Ben three teams the players' college team, the team they made their major league debut with, and their current team. Are you ready? For player number one. Yes. Okay. Went to Indiana State, made his major league debut with the A's, and is currently on the Giants. Indiana State. Name that player. I don't know. If
0: I didn't. Indiana State was the dead giveaway here yeah I don't know it you Indiana don't. State the A's debut and now with the Giants um shoot debut with the A's now with the Giants debut with the A's
1: 10 seconds mm.
0: yeah I don't I don't think I'm gonna get there uh
1: just guess someone uh,
0: I don't wanna I don't what like. say no Sean Manea. Sean and I went to Indiana State. And see, this this was a tough one. Yeah. Because Indiana State and Giants, which isn't like the team he just recently played on. It's his current team, which his he hasn't pitched team. for. Yeah. That was a tough one. All right. That's also one where we changed up the silhouette that I get so it's not doesn't give away much. That hair would have, you know. Right. That was all that was all tough. I will not be bullied into guessing someone and looking like a buffoon. What? <laughs> <laughs> Alright, 0 for 1
1: Okay, are you ready? Yep Okay. Player number 2 Went to Miami Made his major league debut at the Padres And is currently on the White Sox Man
0: This could be my worst week here Miami Debut with the Padres And now with the White Sox Is Mmm um, um, No, that's not the name I was thinking of I was thinking uh I was thinking
1: Ten seconds. Just just give us someone. You no, know, I'm
0: just thinking of Padre's name's debut. Obviously, I know like not Trey, not like uh
1: Yasmani Grindal. Jesus. I know. I know. 0 for two.
0: Guys, I've been really good at this game. This Producer week Taylor
1: is, got in your head. Yeah, he got in my head before, before the episode. We like, You're gonna do great this week.
0: All right. When I think Yasmani Grandal, I, I just, like, the Padres days are out of my mind. Yeah. You know? Well, it's mm. your loss. It literally is my loss. I You're know. Right. Yep. You
1: ready for player number three? Yeah. Okay. Man. Player number three went to Vanderbilt, made his Major League debut with the A's, and is currently on the Twins.
0: Vanderbilt.
1: Name that A's. player.
0: Twins. Is this um, – is this Sunny Gray?
1: Yes, it is. Thank
0: God I needed that. There you go. Woo! I hear applause <laughs> in the back. I needed that. Let's go. All right. Now get, we roll. Gets the yips. I can still <laughs> <laughs> get the yips in an episode about the yips. Yeah. All right. All right. I can get the last two and go above 500.
1: Yes, you can. All right. Keep it rolling. Okay. Ready for player number four? Yes. Okay. Player number four went to North Carolina, made his major league debut with the Marlins, and is currently on the D-backs. Name that player, Benjamin. Hmm.
0: With the D-backs now, started with the Marlins. Is this Zach Gallen?
1: Yes, it is. Come on. Wow. Okay, okay.
0: Come on. I faced Zach Gallon. He's one of the hardest. He's one of the t- I've faced a lot of big leaguers in yeah. the minor leagues and in big league spring training. And Zach Gallon, if if somebody were to ask me the toughest pitcher you've ever faced. Yeah. Zach Gallon is really? probably in that conversation.
1: All right. All right. Let's see if you uh, can finish above 500. Okay. Are you ready? Yep. Player number five went to Stanford, made his major league debut with the Padres, and is current currently on the Guardians. Name that player hmm.
0: Stanford Padres Guardians. I was thinking, um, shoot. I was thinking Mike Clevenger, but he went opposite direction.
1: Five seconds.
0: Padres to Guardians is, is throwing me off. Is this... Um...
1: Go. Say it. No. Cal control. It's <laughs>
0: okay. It's
1: okay. Yep. It's okay. yep. You, you had a nice little comeback there in the middle.
0: I made it interesting. You did. You didn't fall is on what, your face. Which is what matters the most. Which is, is. is I'm going to take that into account in okay. my grading. Um, okay. So these were tough. And I had producer Taylor get in my head earlier by saying I was going to do great and then threw the toughest ones at me. So I'm going to give myself, if a C is average, um, I had tough names, which immediately brings me to a B minus. I got two correct, which brings me to a B plus. I got three wrong, which takes me back to a B minus. I'm gonna, but then the bell curve—you can't forget the bell curve. I'm gonna give myself a B for today.
1: <laughs> I give you a B minus. Okay.
0: Yeah. We almost fair. landed on this. I know it's good. I
1: was like, I'm curious—is he gonna? Are we gonna get the same one today?
0: All right. Yeah, but you—you for, you forgot the—you forgot the bell curve, which is totally understandable. But uh-huh. the bend but curve? The well, either one eh, works. No, e- bend curve. Potato tomato. You know. <laughs> All right. That does it for this episode of Flippin' Bats. What a blast. That was a good one. This one was fun. Uh, we'll be back soon. Soon enough, my friends. And my, my birthday is right around the corner. January 31st. We're getting there. We're going to have like, a birthday right episode. Right the...
1: Okay, we're close. We're about ha- almost halfway there. Yeah, a little over gonna... halfway there. 31 on the it,
0: 31st. You... It's my golden birthday.
1: It is your golden birthday. Birthday month.
0: It'll be a fun one. Thank you all for listening. This one has been a blast. Make sure you like, subscribe anywhere you listen to your podcast. Apple, Spotify, wherever it may be. Hit that subscribe button. It's free to do that. We're also on all social media. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. You can watch every episode on YouTube at Flippin' Bats, at Flippin' Bats pod everywhere. Thank you all for listening. I appreciate it. And we will see you next
2: time for another episode of Flippin' Bats. Peace.